Welcome to Modern Motherhood, where you're required to be everything to everyone all the time. We wouldn't have it any other way, but let's be honest, it's hard work. So let's talk about it, all of it, in the raw with no filter. Come and be a fly on the wall as you listen in on a chat between friends, as each week welcomes a new guest and a new topic to delve deeper around the ins and outs of not only motherhood, but life in general. The ups, the downs, the struggles, the highlights, the reality. Because the reality is, you're not alone. We're all in this together. You're listening to Mummy Republic. Welcome to the whirlwind. Hello, lovely, and welcome back to another episode of the Mummy Republic podcast. I'm your host, Danny, and I cannot wait to share with you today's guest story. But before I do, I want to give a quick shout out to the gorgeous Nadine Muller, who actually featured on last season, but who has left me a beautiful five-star review and rating over on the iTunes podcast app. She says, game-changing. Such an awe-inspiring, thought-provoking, normalizing channel and one that can be and is so helpful for us mamas navigating the world of motherhood. Let's face it, without an instruction manual, I am super grateful not just to feature, but that this compassionate and thoughtful space exists for mothers to reflect on our triumphs and wins and heal during our own challenges. Thank you for focusing on such important topics of varying nature and bringing to light the many facets of motherhood. It is so refreshing to hear fellow women speak openly and honestly about their wins, their fears and the challenges they are facing navigating the beautiful but sometimes rocky shores of hashtag mum life. Thank you for creating this space. Oh bless you cotton socks, that is the sweetest review ever. And honestly, that's exactly the intention for this podcast is to create an open platform where we can talk about those things that we just don't talk about enough. If you haven't had a listen in season one to Nadine's episode, I highly encourage you to do so because that, my friends, is one that is quite raw and open and talks a lot about things that we tend to sweep under the rug. Whilst you're over there having a look at the episodes, if you have not done so already, please make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you do not miss a thing. And if you would also love to leave a rating and review, which I would love you to do, please make sure that you do so so you can let other listeners know what they're in for. Anywho, moving back to today's episode and my beautiful guest who has been incredibly brave in sharing her story. Now, I will give a quick trigger warning as today's episode does contain content surrounding midterm loss. So if you have gone through a loss yourself or if it's something that you're affected by, you may wish to sit this one out. However, I will preposition that she has some incredible advice, not only for anyone going through it, but for anyone who's trying to support someone through a loss journey. But I'm going to leave that one up to you. For the rest of you, how about we just get started? Today's mama is best known for her incredible run on Australia's Ninja Warrior, making an appearance herself after supporting her husband from the sidelines. She has a great love for animals and admiration for Steve Irwin and is even a published author. Talk about diversity. Welcome to the incredible Amy Solomon. How are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so honoured that you are willing to share your story with us and to join me today. Now, from an outsider looking in, you definitely had what seemed like a perfect life. You know, you had, you got engaged, you then got married, you went on your amazing honeymoon, everything was going in the right direction. And then you guys had a little bit of a challenge along the way. So do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, you're pretty much spot on. So for me, I was feeling incredibly hashtag blessed Um, (laughs) and my husband and I went through that whole journey of, you know, amazing wedding, amazing honeymoon. We were lucky enough to fall pregnant straight away. So we were like, oh, well, let's start trying. I didn't think I'd be able to because at the time I was training for Ninja. So I'd lost a lot of body fat and 
I was working out pretty hard. So I was like, oh, I might take a year or so. But no, we fell pregnant straight away. And yeah, we went to the doctors to get a checkup. And we were told that something might actually not be right. And it Mm. brought that whole little happy bubble uh, to an end pretty quickly. Yeah, which is just you know you kind of hear of these stories but you never really expect it to happen to you well the thing is is I don't think I ever heard of those stories and that's Mm. where the problem is and that's why I decided to really go out on a limb and be vulnerable and share my story because we hadn't heard of these stories happening I can say that I think I've I heard of one friend telling me that she'd suffered a miscarriage And to me, I was like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But it didn't sink in Mm. what that actually meant. Uh, So now even stepping back, I I wish I'd been more supportive to her when she told me that. But you just you don't know until people are educated about a miscarriage or a stillbirth or any sort of baby or infant loss. You you wouldn't you wouldn't know. A hundred percent. And you can't, I think really understand it until you go through it yourself and it's not something you'd ever wish upon anybody to get to that point but it is it's it's so devastating and we definitely downplay that a lot now how far along were you when it got to this conversation so it was just after the 10 week mark Mm -hmm. and we'd found out that we were having a little girl so Mm. We had gone out to the expo, bought everything. We were super excited, just about to tell our loved ones. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think we told our parents, but that was it. We hadn't told siblings or anything like that yet. Um, But yeah, just after 10 weeks. Mm. And you had the Harmony test to find out that she was a girl? Yeah, I had the Harmony test. That was purely because I wanted to find out the sex early because (laughs) my OCD wasn't going to allow me to wait any longer. (laughs) Of course. Um, But yeah, then that's when it came back that we had possible complications. And then we went straight in for a scan and we discovered that Bub's heart rate wasn't right. Mm. Went in for another scan Bub's heart rate's not right. I was like, no, going in for another scan. And it was just scan after scan, test after test, all telling us that Bub wasn't going to survive. But for some reason, I had this little bit of hope. So I delayed the inevitable and um, kept pushing on up until 18 weeks until Mm. I was told that I had to give birth to Lola. Yeah, Which is just mortifying. And I think... Any mother will know what it's like when you go into those scans, those anticipation. You know, you want to hear the good things. You want to see the good results. When they first found it and they were doing these extra scans, did you have to have an amniocentesis? Yeah, so at first they wanted to check the placenta. Mm-hmm. But when we went in for the scan, um, my bowel was actually in the way, so they couldn't do that. And so then they just went in for a normal ultrasound And Lola had a hand over her heart as well. So we couldn't really do a thorough testing then. So we had to wait another, I think it was like another three weeks or four weeks on top of that to do the amnio test. Mm -hmm. And that just came back still the same. Like, yeah, poor Lola didn't really look like she had any sort of chance. Mm -hmm. We were told early on that she wouldn't have even made it that far. So for us, it was devastating at that point because we knew we'd done every single test available we'd gotten to the end of the road and yeah we didn't have any other option except for to to now birth Lola yeah Mm. yeah and those I, I think for anybody who potentially hasn't been through it an amnio in itself is quite invasive you know it's a very big long needle they pop it in they take out amniotic fluid but it's the waiting that's really really difficult and I remember you spoke about this in one of your posts just receiving that phone call and getting that news to say well she's not going to thrive how did you manage that moment that was horrendous to this day I still like look back on it it was just we were told we were going to get a call on the Friday and it was Friday at like 4 p.m. Mm. And I was like, well, we're not going to get a call now, surely. I'm going to have to wait the whole weekend. Yep. And that would in itself be terrible. But um, I was home alone at the time. My husband just walked through the door as my phone rang. Mm. And I just remember it was like, 
I think I held my breath the whole time and the doctor told like answered the phone and she automatically had this sad sort of somber voice and she said to me oh um Amy it's not good news and she went ahead and she said look it's it's not going to happen the um, pregnancy is gone um, we're going to have to get you into birth Lola and I just remember saying to her okay thank you so much mm. and then I hung up and like burst into tears and in my mind I was like why did I thank her I was really angry I was like yeah. why did I thank her I'm not thankful I was thankful that she'd been there by her side through the whole thing I wasn't thankful for the outcome mm. and I just remember letting out this raw like oh primal scream on my knees that I have never felt or heard come out of me and it was just earth shattering like my heart actually felt like it had ripped in half and my husband, he lost it as well. It was just one of those moments that, you know, yeah, unless you've been through something so heartbreaking like that, you would not understand that sort of pain. Mm. But, yeah, it, it dropped me. And from there on, I think that was probably the worst moment because there was no more hope. Yeah. Mm. And it's that build-up too because up until that point, you can tell yourself, well – something might come back and something might change and it's such a roller coaster because you're in two minds about staying positive and then thinking about being realistic and then that moment is the part where it's hang on all hope is completely gone so from that point obviously you're devastated and you weren't aware at the time really what had to happen in terms of Lola so when did they start to talk you through that process and and chat about hang on you're actually going to have to give birth to her I think it was pretty much from the time that we went into the hospital that I really came to terms with what was happening because even my doctor was um, under the impression that I was going to go in and go into surgery Mm. and that in in itself was what I was really scared about because I wanted closure I wanted to see her and yeah, it wasn't until I went into hospital the few days leading up to it for preparation that the midwife had explained to me that I would actually need to give birth to her. And then, yeah, we went in and I had labour just like any anybody else. It's 12 hours of an induced labour and Lola was born just like River was born, like vaginally, and she just was born with her wings already. So mm-hmm. that was hard and I think I had... You know, I'd prepared myself as much as I could. I Googled what an 18-week baby looked like. So I sort of had an idea in my head, so I wasn't shocked. But I sort of went numb that when that happened. Mm. Ryan was very emotional. It's almost like he'd been strong for me so much up until that point. And it wasn't until early hours of the morning that it the shock had worn off and it hit me and I just couldn't stop crying and... And I think the hardest part about that whole journey and is what I I talk to a lot of women about now is leaving the hospital without your baby. Mm. Because for me, I had her in my arms as long as I could. I think we got about almost a full day of me holding her all night. I didn't sleep. I just held on to her. And then as we were leaving, I put her in a cold cot. We had dressed her, said goodbye to her. We'd written her a letter. And, yeah, I had to walk out of the room and leave her in there. So I remember running up to the nurse and I was like, I I can't leave. I can't just walk out and leave her in this cot. Would you sit with her until um, the people from downstairs come and pick her up? And the lady was so lovely. She's like, I promise you I'll sit with her until she's collected. And walking down that corridor with a box of, a beautiful box that ladies in similar situation have put together, was the hardest thing I think I've ever gone through in my life. You see, you hear babies crying next to you Mm. that have just been born. You look up as you leave your room and you see a butterfly above your room, which obviously indicates to all the other nurses that this woman is going to be leaving without her baby. But until you actually step out that door and walk down that corridor, God, sorry, Um, sorry. (laughs) holding the box, 
and then hopping in the lift you know it's just it's something you just yeah I don't think you can ever prepare for that I mean how can you how can you ever prepare for that as a mother and to reflect on that and know that your child isn't crying and your child isn't coming home with you nothing can prepare you you can read all the articles in the world and nothing can make that kind of difference but it's even like you feel almost a bit of like hostility towards the women that you can hear having their babies and there's not a nasty bone in my body but I was feeling angry I was like well why not me like I was praying all day every day and that has nothing to do with my faith because I, I truly believe that everything happens for a reason our path is set up for us mm. and we just have to trust our journey but it still hit home that it wasn't me and mm. I felt like I'd won the lotto but the unlo- unlucky lotto yeah. that's like what one in how many so and it's it's one of those things because you think in your head well everything happens for a reason and there's a reason that she's not here and it was you know potentially in her best interest and and you can sort of talk yourself through all that but it doesn't make it fair no. it doesn't make it okay for you it doesn't and then even the aftermath of losing a child has its own burdens mm. you have friends that announce their pregnancy mm. and like you're happy for them but you're also really sad and especially like I know when it would be somebody close that would have a little baby girl and like your heart it's like oh I'm happy but oh my gosh that could have been me and what would have my baby look like and what would have this happened and all this sort of stuff and I think it's one of those things that you just you have to take it day by day and I know now that Lola's life was with purpose because as soon as I told my story um, on Instagram and then also on Ninja Warrior um, I had hundreds and hundreds of messages come through from women in the same situation or women that had been through it already but still grieving Mm. asked me for support and I was more than happy to to do that because when Ryan and I was were going through it it was the most isolating time Mm. we felt so alone like this has happened to us we felt almost not embarrassed to talk about it but why should we talk about something like how are people going to take that we don't want to upset anyone like so Mm. for us I was like we need to tell our story we need to have other people that are searching baby loss actually come up with people that are talking about their experience offering for them to to reach out to us Mm. because we're more than happy to be there for them because that's what I would have loved and I think too and I say this a lot we resonate with stories that are relevant to us even if they don't reach out to you to know that you've gone through it and you've come out the other side that's Mm -hmm. there's such power in that storytelling and strength in that vulnerability you obviously have to be at a point where you're ready to share Mm -hmm. and you're ready to take on the emotional burdens of someone else because you've got enough of your own how long was it between obviously going through it and then speaking about it did it take you a while or was it something that you did sort of straight away uh I actually pretty much did it straight away and that was my way of coping with it yeah because I thought Lola's life was going to be for purpose and it was going to help be to help people Mm. so that actually helped with my whole the grieving process and helping me get through it um but there were a lot of times like especially when I fell pregnant again that I had to deal with a whole other side of emotions because I had my rainbow baby on its way and I felt extremely blessed. But then I felt heartache for the women that I've been speaking to that had Mm. lost and that are still trying. And so I'm really cautious to respect what other people are still going through. Yeah, yeah. And it is that fine line. You want to celebrate the happiness, but you also don't want to... Yeah, put people in the position where they then compare to yourself and feel that hurt even more so. How did you find finding out you were pregnant was with everything that you've been through? Did you feel like you were hesitant? Did you feel like you were anxious during your pregnancy with River? I would say I probably still to this day, I I feel like I'm holding my breath. Yeah. I'm extremely anxious uh it's one of those things that like our birthing of river didn't go to plan I wanted 
full natural vaginal birth. It was going to be water birth if I could. And I, I knew that, you know, things happen and I wouldn't have cared if I had to go in for a cesarean or anything else. I just wanted a happy, healthy baby. Mm. But we had gotten to the stage where I wanted to labor naturally and I just wanted to see my baby given, like, handed to me crying and, like, just that whole, you know, what you see in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what I expected. Yeah. But instead, and what you never got. Yeah, exactly. Got it was a completely, completely different scenario. Like, I didn't even feel the natural labor pains. This was all completely new to me and you're allergic to to <laughs> medical yep. yeah so sure am yeah. So, <laughs> so when you say natural it was very natural yeah so uh i couldn't have morphine couldn't have gas yeah pretty much couldn't have anything i was like <laughs> hot bath and uh hot shower were my go-to but I also knew that I could have an epidural if I needed it yeah but we got through like 13 hours or something and we finally figured out that yep River's head stuck so asked for the epidural went in ended up having to get a vacuum which was in itself something that I didn't expect Mm -hmm. um and then yeah when River was handed to me he was unresponsive so that was just I was like what, this has happened again what's going on mm. and I just remember rubbing his back you know when in the movies you see the doctors and they're like okay he hasn't done his first cry like rub frantically their back yeah. so I'm like rubbing his back not seeing what the nurses were doing I'm up in stirrups so I like can't move and then they whisk river away off me and go into the other side of the, the birthing suite and I'm just looking at my husband like in fear going what like what's happened and he was reassuring me. He's like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And then what felt like an hour later, which it wasn't. <laughs> it's very dramatic. But it felt like an hour. I think it was like a few minutes later, um, Bub started crying. And I, it was then that I was like, oh, okay. First We're step, okay. First yep. step done. But then all like the milestones along the way after having your rainbow baby, they're just as hard. And that was because he'd swallowed some of his own poo, yeah. wasn't it? So yeah, so he'd done his first poo before he was born, yeah. which ruled out my water birth. Yeah. <laughs> Rude. So it ended up being what it was meant to be. Um, but, yeah, he, he had – so he had to get it sucked off his lungs and out of his nose. That's my understanding of it anyway. But then, yeah, when we were in hospital, before he could feed and latch, we had to get that done. And, yeah, so – like I feel so incredibly blessed to have River, but there is so much anxiety now, and I I don't think people truly understand. Like they think you're a helicopter mum because you're so protective, mm. but it's like no, I don't. If you haven't had your shots and if you're sick, I don't want you going near my son oh, because 100%. Yep. I am his mother and I have to protect him, especially now. Like I'm so adamant that like I will do whatever I can to make sure that he is happy and healthy. And just because you have him now doesn't make up for the fact that you lost Lola. That's still such a massive thing that you're always going to live with. So, of course, you're going to be overly cautious of what happens to him. And I think that's where people, again, downplay what's happened because they're like, well, you've got your rainbow baby. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't change the loss. No, it doesn't. And... Also, I think the one thing that I really touched on was the amount of people that came up to me after Lola and either while I was pregnant or have had actually had River and they'll say to me, oh, so is this your first child? Is this your first baby? And it's like, how does somebody that's had loss answer that question? Mm. And so at first I was trying to explain it. I was like, oh, oh yeah, it's, um, well, no. I had another little girl, Lola. She was my first. Oh, how old is she? And I'm like, well, that didn't work. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, okay, so it's your second. I'm like, well, that didn't work. And so in the end, I had to say, uh, this is my first full-term baby. Yeah. Um, And they sort of get that little ding. Okay, Mm. let's stop asking questions. And then, yeah, but... And it's said with no ill intention. No, not at all. But it's, it's just that that naivety of um and even even people asking questions like oh what happened yeah well susan i don't know you i don't yeah. really want to go into the exactly. full story so many people <laughs> ask for the full details i'm like oh 
Lola. They're like, oh, Amy, I follow you on Instagram. So I heard about Lola. That's really sad. So, so what exactly happened? I'm like, oh, oh, God. I'm like, yeah. Stop. Mate, just trying to eat my chicken karagi here. <laughs> like, <laughs> let me put my chopsticks down and go into details. Yeah. Have you got 25 minutes? Because yeah. that's where we're at. No. Oh. But it's, you know, it's not like it's the whole um, – questions that I would have asked like I would have asked somebody yeah and I would have said to somebody so you're gonna try for kids now like yeah and you look after this I've been so awakened like I would never judge anybody up for asking those questions because they don't know yes Mm. the hurts there but they don't they don't understand Mm. it unless you've been through it but the whole are you gonna try for kids like you don't know if they've lost and they are trying for a child if they've been trying and they haven't succeeded yet it's all these questions that we're so used to asking because it's the life plan or the life mm-hmm. cycle, but we don't really take into consideration the behind the scenes yeah. of that because we might have friends that don't have children, but they're still parents. Yeah. And that's something that's so important. Like yeah. you might not see a child with your friend, but they might be a parent still. Mm. And the mm. thing is, it's like you touched on before, a lot of people don't talk about it. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people go through loss and miscarriage and never communicate it because it's such a hurtful experience that they don't want to open themselves to more questions. Like, oh, you know, what happened? Is there a reason for it? And I think that's where we need to be cautious too because a lot of times, you know, when there's a loss or like, was there something you did yes. during the pregnancy? Yep. Which shouldn't even be a question. But it's again, it's that naivety and we don't understand the implications. Well, whether they ask that question or whether you ask yourself that question, mm. and I think that's the biggest player. Like I know a lot of the women I've spoken to, the main thing is we all go, well, what could have I done? Mm. Like they, We feel like a guilt, Yeah, I guess, of whether it was you'd had your baby for a week or whether you had your baby full term it, it doesn't matter like it's still a loss a loss is a loss and mm. you feel guilty because you try and run through everything and you're like well did I not start taking my elevate early enough yeah. you know what I mean just yep. little stupid yep. things that it, it is like it happened it happened but you can't help but blame yourself did the were the doctors reassuring during the process to sort of highlight to you that it had nothing to do with you? Yes, yeah. They were yeah. lovely. They were so lovely. Like I can't fault the medical system mm. at all in that sense. Um, but it doesn't It doesn't change. Like I'm still going yeah. to a psychologist today because I feel a guilt that doesn't belong in my life, but yeah. it's there. Yeah. When did you start seeing a psychologist? Pretty much as soon as we found out the news yeah. because I just, yeah. It turns your whole world upside down. Yeah. 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 And again, another thing that I think people underestimate, you know, that that mental process of trying to navigate through it is so difficult. Mm -hmm. So how do you find you are as a mum now? You said before that you're a bit of a helicopter (laughs) mum. Do you, you know, do you feel like it's made you parent differently going through this experience? I know it's your first, so you don't have anything to compare it to, but... I don't know. I think I would always have been that mum that's a little bit overprotective. Like I have a dog. His name's Harry Potter. He's a sausage. Um, (laughs) And I'm like that with him. Like he'll go to a dog park and I'm like, step away from my child. (laughs) So I think if I'm like that with my fur baby, then I'm going to be triple that with my actual child. So yeah. Um, Yeah. But in the way of parenting with him, I probably am a little bit more protective than a lot of parents but yeah. yeah that's just something that I'm still dealing with and that might change when he gets into the like six months and the one year and you know even something like SIDS is so scary mm. for somebody that's lost mm. before for all mothers but for me I'm like just watching him like a hawk which means no sleep but it's just milestones those little milestones that you just wait until there's a point that you're like okay I can breathe yeah yeah, I can take mm. a step back and enjoy yeah, this now. Exactly. It's really impacting on you emotionally and physically, but it's also impacting on Ryan, of course. And I think a lot of times we forget about the dads mm-hmm. because they're not the ones who physically had to give birth or go through it, but it's their part of the process. How did it affect your relationship with Ryan? 
going through this. You know, I can hand on heart say I feel like I have the best husband in the world. He is so incredibly supportive and is just he's just amazing, honestly. He's a perfect husband for me. I couldn't have expected anybody to be there for me as much as he has. Mm. I think it could have gone a completely different way if yeah. he wasn't because men and women do grieve differently. And in general, women and women grieve differently because yeah. you all go through a different yeah. process at a different time. So unless you're understanding of what that person's going through at that time or if they're stuck in a stage of grieving... You have to be there and be supportive. Mm. And um, for me, when I write back to women, I always make a point of saying, I'm so sorry for your and your partner's loss because the dads are affected just as much as the mums are. Mm. Like, And they, they sometimes feel, I guess, from, from speaking to a few of them myself, like they have to be the strong person for their wife, but they're not allowed to grieve. And at the end of that day, it's their baby too like Mm. they're allowed to grieve and they need to grieve because like anxiety and all that it's not just affecting the mums it's affecting the dads too 100 percent. and I think we there's a lot of support for women when it comes to those sort of things you know there's I mean I think women probably reach out for it more as well you know they'll touch base with you whereas a, a male would probably be less likely to reach out to you I think we need to be conscious of asking the question as well because a lot of men won't open up Mm -hmm. unless they're sort of prompted or prodded to do so, which can be tough. Yeah. How are you guys now? Oh, look, Ryan is just the best daddy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It it melts my heart seeing them together. It's very, very cute. (laughs) Um, But we're, we're strong. We're very strong. It's obviously because of the whole Lola incident and... Everything after that, I haven't been working, so yeah. I'm not on maternity leave. So Ryan has stepped up and, you know, he works long hours and comes home and grabs Bub when he can for plays. And, you know, we try and spend a lot of family time together on the weekends. So, yeah, it's it's hard. Of course. <laughs> and yeah. I won't underplay how hard having a newborn is. <laughs> you don't expect it and you can't really... I don't know, do anything to prepare yourself no, for those you can't. <laughs> few weeks. And especially when you have people on Instagram being like, me and my matching baby, we're so cute. And <laughs> me, like, me and my lingerie two days after giving birth. Me, I was wearing, like, my husband's plumbing shirts and his Bonds undies with the little doodle thing. You know, <laughs> Stunning. <laughs> little bitch, yeah. It's like, sorry, babe, this is me now. Um, but, you, like, it, I, I think we do, like, we don't realise what's in store because we're pretty much looking at everything that's happening on social media these days so yeah yeah that's why I wasn't prepared for losing Lola wasn't really prepared as to become a a new Mm mum because I was so excited to become a new mum I didn't stop to think what a new mum was going to be like. Well, it's it's all active wear and lattes, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mother's groups yeah. and all that kind oh, of fun stuff. <laughs> no one tells me. you about the fact that you get shit on. Yeah. Like. Oh, I, I had shit in my mouth and I, I gargled urine and I'm not even joking. I was like really like changing his nappy and I was kissing his feet and I'm like, oh, you're so cute. And I went down for a kiss and... The little doodle went up and straight down the throat. I can yep. feel, yeah, I can still feel it now. Thinking about it, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you're not prepared. No, you're not prepared, no. and you're not prepared for the lack of sleep. Nobody can say, "Oh, get your sleep now," and you think, "Ah, oh, you're so funny." But no, get your <laughs> yeah. get your sleep now. <laughs> but even if you get your sleep now, it's, it's still never enough. You, really true. <laughs> yeah, it's so true, and I think that's why it adds such value when you are open and honest I think it's a fine line between the negativity and all the things that can go wrong versus you know there's there's amazing moments as well but it is one of those things that we tend to underplay underplay a lot and we glorify you know Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with celebrating those mummy and me moments but there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes as well well I know just you saying that I was looking through my feed on Instagram the other day I'm like whoa I'm getting a bit negative here (laughs) getting a bit on the depresso side like just because I am being so honest and it doesn't take away from the fact that I would never change it for anything in this world and I'm so in love with my baby and this new me and all that but I'm just telling it how it is because I'm so sick of seeing 
like women straight afterwards like in sexy lingerie and like cooking because hell no i'm sorry i was like uber eats <laughs> <laughs> that's me now yeah. like, I'm hey i'm not gonna lie it's still me <laughs> four months later so i've still got six weeks to go and i'm living on uber eats no you need a delivery company that's what we've just started doing it's so good like pre pre-packaged meals but um no it, it is it's like that and so that was my sole purpose after lola is like you know what no i'm going to be real i'm gonna let people know mm. my journey how it's been the journey up to having a rainbow baby having a baby and everything in between because it's just it's not what you think and mm. it's there's no one really out there talking about it so that you can't you can't find this information and google oh my god google they didn't get me started. Mm. You don't want to go looking there because no. the stuff that you find just like the amnio test that you're talking about. I searched that before I went in and there were ladies going, I've never felt so much pain in my life. Like oh. I wanted to die. So I went in there going, okay, yep, this is going to hurt. Really, at the end of the day, I didn't even care because all yep. I wanted was that test. So yep. I wouldn't have cared what pain I went through at that stage, but it didn't even hurt. And I was like, I psyched myself out. Just because of what I read on Google. Yep. Yeah. I made the mistake after of Google. Because, you know, you cramp a lot afterwards. And it's it's not a comfortable test. And it's very, you know, particularly the reasons why you get it. But you make the mistake of Googling and then all of a sudden, you know, it's always worst case scenario. Yeah. And I think that's another really good point. Particularly with there's a lot of sources of information out there. And I think you need to be really conscious of where you get your information from. Um, whether it's a Facebook group, whether it's Google or something like that, just be really conscious of your source. Yeah, because, because some person might have an experience and be the only person that's put that up online. Yes. Whereas yeah. there might have been thousands and thousands of other people that have gone through the same experience, but it's been a good experience, so they haven't put it up online. Yeah. So you've got exactly. to remember a lot of the times people put the worst case up because they need to talk about it or they want to explain how annoyed they are with the situation or whatever. But yep. the people that don't have a problem with it aren't going to say anything because they're just going to move on to the next step. Exactly, exactly. Mm. So in terms of advice for someone going through this, and I think you touched on it really well before, is that a loss is a loss regardless of how it happens. I know there's different variances and extremes and whatnot, but what would your advice be to somebody who's gone through it or going through it? Uh, I would definitely say find a support network. I know you don't want to talk about it. It's the last thing you want to do. You just want to be by yourself and be upset and mourn, which is completely normal. Mm. But have somebody, whether it's your partner, whether it's a family member, or for me, like I didn't really want to talk to anybody except for Ryan about it. So I went and saw a psychologist and that was the best thing I could have done mm. because you need to look after yourself because if you don't look after yourself, then your world's going to fall apart. But if you give yourself that help that you need, it's going to be really horrible, I'm not going to lie, for quite some time, but you will get through it. And that's why you need that support there because it's, yeah, it is, it is life-changing, but there is always hope. So one thing that I always go by is trust your journey. And I know that's really hard to do when you're in the middle of such a big storm and you're so upset and you don't think anybody's been through it, but there are a lot of people that have been through it. So you're not alone. Mm -hmm. It's one in four and that's miscarriages, medical terminations, stillbirths, all these things are all relevant to loss and mm -hmm. you just need to make sure you have somebody there to support you because Absolutely. yeah, like it, your mental well-being is so important and it is a rough trot. So and I think you hit the nail on the head, you know, you might not want to speak about it. You know, it's very easy and, and it's a roller coaster, right? There's going to be ups and downs, but I think it's important not to underestimate how valuable it can be to speak to somebody who's completely removed from the situation mm -hmm. because then you're not having to take into account their emotions. Yeah. It's just yours. And you do, you feel like a, you feel like a burden. And yeah. one thing that a lot of people that have gone through it when we've been um, talking to each other is a lot of friends will come and go mm. and that's something that you have to prepare yourself for as well because they don't understand mm. and when you need time by yourself and you're not the usual you that's when you need to really you know have those people there to speak speak to because I think that was something that I found really hard I expected so many of my good friends to be like at my door trying to pull me out of the house and me being like go away but instead it's it's very isolating because 
you'll see the calls come up, but you don't answer them. Mm. You'll hear the knocks on the door, but you don't answer them. You get the flowers, but secretly you're like, okay, I've got a flower, but that just reminds me of what's happened. Yeah, percent. Yeah, mm. and, and it is, I think, the perspective and priorities change as well. Mm-hmm. From a partner's perspective or from a friend or family member, somebody who's trying to support someone going through it, they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. What would your advice be? I'm no expert, so I, I just, from my personal experience, yeah, absolutely. I know that I just wanted people to be there for me. Yeah. I didn't want the whole, like, questions and that sort of thing. Just be sensitive. Like, it takes a long time to want to talk about it. Mm. I was just, I don't know, I just found strength in my situation to be able to talk about it quickly. Um, I don't know where that strength came from. I really don't. The only thing I can think of was Lola pushing me along because... I don't know how I managed to even talk about it. But yeah, it's just, you just need to be there for them. Whether it's a message saying, I'm here for you still. I know you're going through stuff. You reach out when you're ready. And then if they don't reach out, maybe a follow up every like week or so, just so that they know. Because it's one of those situations where you, I don't know, you want to talk about it, but you don't want to talk about it. You want somebody to be there for you, but you don't want anyone to be there yeah. for you. You want to know somebody's there yeah. if you're ready, if, you're if ready. and when you're ready. Yeah. yeah, and you don't want you don't want somebody to get the back up and be like, can't believe you haven't called me or... Yeah. Like, that's the worst thing you can do because you change. You change as a person. Mm. There's, you can't have something like that ripped out of your life and have such a devastating loss and come out the same person that will change even walking away after lola i went from eight pack ninja warrior to mum bod without a baby and that was hard enough in itself so that's i needed to deal with that that's something i needed to be alone i needed to go through all those processes by myself but i just needed to know that people were still there they hadn't given up on me they hadn't actually one thing that that whole saying where people say to you um surround yourself by positive people i think that is bullshit (laughs) no i'm I'm calling it right now like i'm all for positive vibes like yeah i am full full for that but at the same time it's also a very selfish comment Mm. because people will have downs in their lives and that doesn't mean they're not a positive person And that's when you as a friend, I think, need to step up. You don't need to invest your energy into them, but you need to be there. Mm. And I think it's, there's another saying around, you know, I I can't fix something for you. I can't be the light, but I can sit in the darkness with you. And Mm. I think that's really powerful too, because again, like unless you've gone through it and even, even if you have, you can't fix everything. And as a friend, it's not your responsibility to, But it's, yeah, just about making sure that they know that you're there. Just know that I'm here for you. Yeah, and that I give a shit. Yep, exactly. Yeah. How about you and Ryan now? Are there any babies on the cards? (laughs) Well, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess that was the creepiest laugh. Well, (laughs) (laughs) you're like, I'm actually about to go home and uh, start on that situation. Um, Do you you want to leave River here? I mean, (laughs) he doesn't need to be involved. Yeah, if you could babysit, that'd be great. Um, (laughs) No, well, it was actually funny you say that because after having River, our plan was to keep going. Um, try and as quickly as possible fall pregnant again but I think like the conversation we had mm. I wasn't ready I hadn't prepared myself for what yep. being a mum actually was going to entail and Ryan hadn't prepared himself for what being a dad was going to mean like not as many like jet skiing trips and <laughs> like you know there's all that stuff that you have to put to the side and it's yep. definitely not as, as often as, as normal but I think um now that River's hit the four months, we're starting to talk about it again. Oh. But yeah, when River was born, I was like, hell no, no. I'm no. done. Keep that One, away from me. I'm fine. <laughs> yep. We're good. We're oh, good. Oh, got a headache. headache. Yeah. Oh God, this headache's lasted his whole life. Uh, I think they said I can't have sex for four months yep. or something along those lines. They did the stitches uh-huh. and they did yeah. it wrong. And yeah. sorry, it's just, it's closed for business. Um, oh, no. Sort that out yourself. Yeah. Sorry, mate. <laughs> so we... At, we did go through that stage where we we're like, nah, can't do another one. That's it. We're blessed. We feel great that we've got our little rainbow baby. But now we're like, oh, maybe we Might should try for another one soon. And But I've got to wait for my body to get back to normal. That's one thing that 
I'm in that stage now where I'm back at gym and I just want to make my body as strong as possible, mm. but also my mind yep. as strong as possible because there's no way I can go through this until, like, again, until my mind is healthy and, and happy and I'm back to the old me that I remember mentally. Yeah, mm. 100% because there's going to be a lot of ups and downs with this pregnancy as well, even if there's no concerns. It's just part of your journey. It is, definitely. So one of the things I am really passionate about is making sure that when you move into motherhood, because it is such a whirlwind that you take a little bit of time where you can to reconnect with that person that you were before kids. And I like to call it the me before mummy. So what is one thing that Amy does to reconnect with the person that you were before kids? It's definitely exercise. Yeah. Um, That's my time. And that isn't for my physical appearance. It is mainly mental well-being just makes me feel Mm. good I love getting active and River luckily has been a little angel and he'll sleep most of the time while we're at gym doing our sessions so at the moment touch wood oh my god I need wood (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, it's been good because we've been able to go and work out and and that comes with its own challenges because you know I don't think you ever completely go back to the old Amy and the things Oh, hello, River. <laughs> Just checking in. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's me. Um, the old, the old you, completely. I don't think I'm going to go back to the old me anytime soon. In the way of what I used to look like, that's mm. going to take a long, long time. And if I'm going to have more kids, I'm just going to have to accept the fact that I am a different body shape now, and I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's definitely limitations, like. I went to do a box jump the other day and it's something that I never had a problem with. And my head was like, yeah, do it, do it, do it. You've got this. Like, and I went to do it. And as I jumped up, I'm like, oh my God, I just peed myself. (laughs) And it's like your head says one thing, but your JJ says another. (laughs) If it's any consolation, when I take Peyton to bounce, I can't bounce because it's about five minutes and then I'm like, oh, we're out. Yeah, we're out. Exactly. And so there are definitely things stopping me from being that old me and doing the yep. things that I love. But, you know, it is what it is. It's all about accepting the new you. And that I think that's the more important point. It's You probably won't get back to the old things that you used to do and that you loved and doing them how you did before. You just need to accept that. And same as your body, that's a massive thing because now I just see the stretch marks and I go that's Lola's stretch marks Mm. and that's something I have with me forever to remind me of her and my legs are thicker and stronger now they picked me up off the ground when I really needed them to when I was crippled with anxiety and grief and you know all those things like it's hard like I'm not saying I look in the mirror and go oh damn I look in the mirror (laughs) and go shit (laughs) But, but you have you have to just realize that you're going to be a different person and see the positive A hundred percent. I think that's the best advice because there is a lot of pressure to go pre-baby body and your pre-baby body doesn't exist because Mm. you've just birthed a child. It's going, however you've done that, however you've carried, it's, it's going to be different. And even if it's internally, you're going to look at things differently. A hundred percent. Spot on. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your amazing story. I just think that your strength and your vulnerability is so powerful and I have no doubt that it would have helped so many people. I'm going to pop all of Amy's details in the show notes. So if you're not already, you can follow along on Instagram and keep up to date with her story and hopefully some babies (laughs) soon (laughs) since you're going home to do that. Yeah. (laughs) But thank you again so much. I really appreciate it. And thank you. It's been amazing and I, I just really appreciate you um, taking the time to bring this subject to light because it does need to be talked about absolutely thank you oh my goodness what an incredible human honestly the journey that Amy and her partner Ryan have been through is one that you would never wish upon anybody Yet the way that they've pulled through and had such strength and determination to not only get through what they've been through and to move forward with their life and their beautiful little family, but also to want to help others. I think that that takes a lot of strength. There is so much strength in vulnerability and you will hear me say that a lot because I think we underestimate how much effort it actually takes to get to that point 
to want to use those emotions, those raw feelings and that raw experience to want to help others. So I honestly take my hat off to both of them. In terms of today's conversation and what I took away was mainly around the fact that everybody processes these types of experiences differently. It is so important to not pigeonhole somebody because a loss is a loss, regardless of what that looks like, whether it's an early miscarriage, a midterm loss, neonatal. Obviously, each of them come with varied experiences and implications, but it's still something that impacts the individual going through it. So we as outsiders have to be mindful that it's their process. Amy also highlighted that everybody processes grief differently. It can be something that hits you straight away. It can take some time to have an impact. Some people want to be surrounded by love and comfort. Others need space to process. So it's important to make sure that you're wary of those factors and not hold it against the individual. As Amy highlighted though, if you are going through something, it is important to speak to somebody. It may be the last thing that you feel like doing, but it will have a huge impact on your recovery. It doesn't have to be somebody who you know. You can speak to a psychologist or you can find alternative therapies, but it's important to open up to allow yourself to process what you're experiencing. From an outsider's perspective, if someone's going through something, her main advice is to just be there. They may not answer the door. They may not answer your calls. They may not respond to your text messages straight away, but just knowing that you're there if and when they need you is so crucial. As she touched on, it can be such an isolating experience and trying to navigate with your own feelings and emotions can be difficult enough. But knowing that there's a support network is really important. If you would like to follow more of Amy's journey, you can find her over on Instagram at, at Amy Jane Solomon, and I will be sure to pop all of her details in the show notes so that you can connect with her further. Now on to you, my friend. I am going to give you a little bit of homework. If you have not done so already, I urge you to carve out a snippet of time to give back to yourself and the me before mummy. It can be a few minutes or a few hours, just an opportunity to reconnect with that person that you were pre-children and give back to yourself. If you would like to share it with myself and other mamas, you can do so over on social media by using the hashtag the me before mummy and tagging myself at mummy republic. But in the meantime, remember to take a breath, take some time for yourself and know that you're doing a damn good job. Thank you again so much for joining me. I cannot wait to share more stories with you. So if you haven't done so already, make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. Thanks again. Lots of love and I'll see you next week.